Where are we going? Welcome to this exclusive podcast produced by Spirit Watch Ministries that will show where life in our darkening times is now turning and how you can avoid the detours of deception through the hope of biblical truth. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 24 warned us over two millennia ago and how urgently we need to heed him now. Our host is Pastor Rafael Martinez, a seasoned Northwest Indiana-based minister, intercessor, and counter-cult apologist who will help you discern the journey of change we're all on as the last day of the last days now winds down. For more information, check out our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. Now, here's Pastor Rafael. Hello again. I'm Rafael Martinez, a minister within the Church of God Cleveland Movement, and thanks for joining us today as we start our third season of our podcast entitled, Where Are We Going? If you've been listening the past couple of years, we want to sincerely thank you for stopping by today and for sticking with us. Our podcast explores the hard questions behind spiritual deception in these last days of human history as we now await Christ's coming. It's all too clear, and we've been discussing this for the past couple of years, of how of how truly at hand his coming is. The damaging spirituality that is found in cultism we've been spotlighting are not the only signs of these times, and in this third season, we're going to explore these other dark omens a lot more, with a redemptive eye upon where it's all taking us. Keep in mind, we're wanting to really provide insight into the question our podcast title has been asking. Where indeed are we going? We're going to offer perspective on this we think you'll want to tune in for. So please help spread the word to everyone you know to download our podcast. We're found on the Amazon, Google, and Spotify podcast channels, and we hope you'll dig into our past two seasons for further input. You can find links to our podcast on our spiritwatch.org website, our Facebook page, and our blog on the Google Blogger site called Spirit Watch Unchained. Now, we're be honest with you, we're seriously behind on updating and writing and creating content for it all, but what we do have there is there for your taking. In the next two podcasts, we'll hear from a survivor of the Xenos cult who escaped with her husband from what can only be described as a fellowship of vipers that they sought to seek refuge from. And uh, Chrissy's own flight from the religious abuse of Xenos is yet another harrowing and yet revealing snapshot of a real-time catastrophe that rolls inexorably onward across our fallen world. This catastrophe is best summarized in the old proverb of jumping out of a frying pan into the fire, the escape from one extremism into, if it can be believed, a far more darker place. Such terrors from the trusted face too many who escape cultism seeking what seems to be a refuge into something that is anything but safe. Now, at the core of these two hells are corrupted figures who espouse a holiness which bottoms out in a pit of hell. This inaugural set of podcasts will be a beacon as we explore the depths of an abyss that truly is beyond belief, even beyond what cults do. And it's vividly described in the Apostle Paul's plain warning found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. 
Crystal, thank you for joining us this evening here on uh, Where Are We Going, uh, our podcast here. I, I really appreciate you taking the time in a, in a very busy schedule uh, to come and, and visit with us today and, and basically share your story and, and share, you know, some thoughts about uh, what you've seen and where you've been. And, and uh, uh, you've seen Xenos in a very unique way. You've also seen, unfortunately, some of the consequences that can occur after you've been in Xenos. And you've got a very unique uh discussion we'd like to have on that thanks for having me i really appreciate you taking the time here so it's um it's not easy to be this transparent about something that is so so terribly personal and so many people struggle with that and i I appreciate your your willingness to uh to make yourself vulnerable that way because uh it's a big step thank you um so anyway uh what we'd like to do is of course set back the set back the clock a little bit and maybe have you just kind of share with us, you know. Um, first of all, why, why did you want to come on here? And um, I know we've talked about it, and uh, we've shared, we've, we've been sharing off and on for quite a bit. And uh, maybe just trying to share uh, what is about, you know, obviously your history with Xenos and the aftermath that makes you want to really, you know, shout from the rooftop, so to speak. I mean, this, this is the internet; it's going to live forever. <laughs> so, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what makes you want to come on and actually do that? Um, I guess I'm just very frustrated because um, Xenos has directly and indirectly impacted me, um, not only when I was a member of their church, but even at other churches, um, having to do with things that they have done and collaboration with other churches that um, it just feels like they're they're everywhere, like they're growing. And that's frustrating and kind of sad to me. And um, I also feel like people need to speak up for the people that are still still in Xenos, that they need to hear a voice of people saying it's okay um, to leave and you don't have to put up with this sort of treatment or watching other people be treated this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is okay because it is because everyone has their own individual story regardless of what people think of it. It's it's your reality. You know, now, now there are some people who you have a very hard time telling the difference between unreality and reality, but uh, there's not been a single Xenos survivor I've ever met that has had that problem. I think everyone here that has, that has told a story has had a story because of the history that Xenos worked on them with. And uh, Xenos has only itself to blame for the harm it's causing so many people. And uh, it set forth in motion a, a church direction that... Um, is, uh, is, is, has nothing to do with, 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 uh, with genuine Christian church. It's, it's a cultic movement. It's a movement that yeah. knows, that knows how to, how to, how to disguise itself. I mean, the apostle Paul wrote about it. He says, you know, that, you know, don't, don't, don't be, don't be amazed when you see Satan come across you as an angel of light. He looks like that because that's what his job is. He wants to yeah. look the part. And there are so yeah. many people that, that he are unfortunate slaves of his. They're doing that, and and I and I'm, I'm sad to say I don't take any pleasure saying that many of them uh, wear the name of Xenos first and foremost in their hearts. They're all about protecting that brand and not really exploiting and not, not really expanding the kingdom of God. It's it's a kingdom of men, and uh, and uh, and that's what I've seen from the year I've been looking at this, and uh, and so. Um, so let me ask you this: uh, Are you uh, are, are, in our last uh, episode? 
we had Colin on, and Colin uh, was basically a Zenos baby raised uh, in the church, um, and he, and he, of course we shared quite a bit, or he shared quite a bit last week. Uh, were you raised in the church, or, or how did you feel about uh, getting involved with Zenos? Um, I was not. I was raised Catholic and then um, experimented with a bunch of different religions in my teens. Um, I was kind of at the point where I was um, just not really believing in anything. Um, I met someone in the first year of nursing school who um, kind of started preaching the gospel to me and inviting me to home church. And um, that was my first introduction to them. But I didn't really start going to Zenos groups until a couple of years later. Our our son, who was in, I think, first grade at that time, started at Calumet School, which is a school, a private school that Zenos runs in Clintonville. He started there. And as we would have hangouts with the kids in the class, the other parents who were almost all in Zenos would always be inviting us to groups and things like that. So we started going about that time. Mm-hmm. So, was he, so was he raised in the church at all, or did you both meet each other apart from it, or how how, how did uh, how that work out with him? Um, you mean my spouse? Yes. Uh, we met and married uh, long before that, so okay. we were married many. We were married for some time before we joined. We had, uh, yeah. Okay, so you guys had a, had established a life and relationship with each other, and, uh, you, and yeah, then, of course. Yeah. As, as most young men and women do, you, you feel like, well, there's, there's, there's gotta be something more to life than just making a buck and, and raising kids and doing all the stuff. There's gotta be some more of that. And, and of course, places like Xenos, they beckon to you and they hold out all kinds of, uh, very, uh, challenging questions and, and, and as well as, and, and answers that they believe are going to meet your need. And so I think that's what really got a hold of you. And then you began to get, a, get attracted to him. Is, is that right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's true, but both of us had only experienced, um, for the most part, Catholicism. And, you know, it's very ritualistic and formal, and neither of us had ever experienced any sort of, um, you know, um, non-Catholic church, like, you know, like a non-denominational or um, Pentecostal, no church um, except for Catholic. So mm-hmm. when we when we found out about Xenos and it's like all these other people our age, these young people hanging out and having wine and reading the Bible, we're like, oh, this is awesome. You know, it was so informal and that was very attractive to us. So, yeah. um you know, and it was our first, it was also our first introduction into um, actually getting into the Bible because in Catholicism, a lot of that is interpreted for you, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So it was, it was eye opening in those ways and that made it very attractive at first. So. Right, right. So you said somebody, you met someone and they preached the gospel. What, what, what was it about them that, that they said that really kind of stood you, stood you on end and made you start really listening to them? Um, well, this person just referenced Jesus and um, being our Savior and our Lord all the time. And um, we would spend time together that, you know, it seemed like very genuine interest in friendship. And once we were close friends, they would start asking things like, um, you know, um, what do you believe? And then that led to conversations about Jesus. And if you believe in Jesus, you should ask him to be your savior. And um, did you know the Bible says this? And just sort of slipping it into a casual friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So, okay, so, so in other words, you know, Xenos has a way of, of really doing all it can to draw people to itself by, by sharing what is essentially the truth. And that's, and that is that Christ alone saves and that, uh, and that salvation only comes by faith in his name. And they do a pretty good job in, in really try defending those faith, but, um, but like I said, there's, there's, there's more, there's more to the Christian faith than just affirming truths and, and, and looking the part and, and seeming very, very, very authentic. As much as, as comforting as that is, and, and, and in the context of, 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 of being around a group of young men and women your age that all seem to be seeing the same thing, uh, there was more to it, I think, that, um, that I think a lot of our, our, our guests here have certainly have attested to that involves a lot more than just is a, 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 an alleged orthodoxy, and uh, so as you as you went to Xenos, um, uh, and as you studied, and as you started getting more involved with them, uh, what were some of the other things that that uh, they began to share with you that were that they felt were necessary for you to have to adhere to um, to be considered a, a true believer? Um, well, for a long time, um, I feel like it was it was definitely like almost like a long game. Because for a long time, um, there were no other stipulations. It was just believe, you know, come out to meetings. We wanted to come out to meetings. But then yeah. um, once we were, had been sort of fully ingrained as, as members of this group, then it was, um, you know, now you should also be coming to, to cell group. And so it's like home church is one night, um, men's group is another night, women's group is a third night. And then, you know, we're coming to the cell group. So that's three nights a week that were, you know, busy or away from family and then after that it would be you know somebody's somebody's hangout or bonfire or cookout or something like that some sort of group activity and whenever you didn't attend you were questioned why and it became super weird like why you know you almost like you had to give an explanation um and it had to be approved or or you face some sort of like shunning you know so. You really, so you really feel like, like, yeah, I mean, you're, um, you know, basically you were up against the wall. Like you were, there's a line you had to tell to be able to explain how you lived your life there. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's very hard because, you know, we had started spending all this time with these people. Our kids are now friends with their kids. You yeah. know, we're hanging out all the time. These are our friends, so we don't want them to be upset with us, you know. Um, you know, we don't we don't yeah. want that. So, you know, we didn't understand what was happening at the time. So yeah. we just would kind of keep trying, and it just took an enormous toll on our personal lives outside of Xenos, which I think is – you know, kind of a plan there that you just don't have time for other people or other family members, other activities, because you're so ingrained, it just becomes everything. Um, right. And that, right. yeah. See, in, in, in essence, then, therefore, there was, you know, as you, they obviously sincerely shared with you what they felt was true and, and, and invited you into their circle of friends. But, as time went by, as, as, and as we've talked about it, it, it seems to be a, a very common thing in places like Xenos, is that um, your 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 time within the group, um, your involvement starts to become more and more incremental. They start introducing more and more, you know, suggestions or or, or, or yes. fun activities and things to do it. And it just seems like a great idea, and 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 then it, and then the implication is that you know you you really don't want to miss that. It's something you need right. to be at. And how long was it? I guess this is the question because 
it's an interesting contrast we're, we're setting up here. How long was it between the time you heard the gospel and gave your life to Christ and, and, and followed through, I assume, with baptism with them? Uh, did you, did you, were you baptized in Zenos? Uh, I was not actually. I was refused baptism because I was not attending enough activities. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh! Wow! Wow! Okay. I had things I needed to. I had things I needed to work on. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So, all right. That's interesting. Interesting you say yeah. that because uh, <laughs> that's just making my point. So there's so many things you have to comply to get to the point until until you finally get to um, the big Kahuna. You know the big payoff right. showing that you that you are got the you know a stamp of approval on you from God by by being water baptized. So how long between the time you first quote unquote believed in Zenos and f- between that specific point and uh, start point, starting point in time to where you started feeling those those um, those um, none too gentle encouragements to start spending more time and devoting more yourself. How long was it before they started really making those sort of uh, uh, suggestions, shall we say to you? Um, I think that, you know, they, they probably were happening even before. I mean, I feel like the, the suggestions were happening even before that and they just kind of continued, but they, they definitely became more intense um, about a couple maybe like two or three months after you know, we had really been, we had really been in there. Right. So the hard sell became really the hard pitch, you know, and, and it just became uh, an issue where, like I said, you, they were kind of really suggesting, so to speak, that you need, you really need to be there. Yeah. 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 Yep. See, see, that's the thing I was, I was mentioning with the, the for me, the contract is interesting because so many people raised in Xenos, such as Colin and others we spoke with, uh, have been have been raised to feel as normative to have that church dominate so much of their life that, that it's not even a question. It's not even an issue. They just, they just automatically are there three, four, five nights a week. They just go because that's what yeah. you're seeing us. You're going to go, and that's what you do. But with you, they had to get up to get you up to speed a lot quicker, didn't they? Yeah, but, I mean, the person that first introduced me, her parents were actually um, part of the founding the founding group, like some of the, I guess they were some of the first couple of people in with Dennis to mm. start things up. So okay. they had been in it there. She had been in it her whole life. And, you know, they, I feel like they manipulate scripture to make that seem like what you should be doing. So mm. I'm sure it's hard for those people. Yeah. Yeah. So they, so for them, it was just second nature. They just didn't, yeah. they didn't think about it. it was just, okay. Well, you need to be in, say, central teaching. You need to be, uh, you know, in your home group, your cell group, and uh, whatever activities. It's just an ongoing, you know, perpetual motion uh, machine that you're that you just become a part of, and you just get involved with it. You find your place and you click every week, every every week. You, you click, and that's. Did, did you look around and maybe at some point and maybe for a moment just drew back and maybe saw? How everyone was just having their lives so completely orchestrated. It made, made me think, well, okay, is this, is this really, is this really what I, what I want to be involved with? Or did you just go along with it? Um, I really didn't, I really didn't see it. 
Um, I just, well, I, I saw it, but I felt like it was justified because this is what you were supposed to be doing. You know, I felt that it was scripturally justified at that time. Um, but what I, what I did notice was the people that would, you know, turn away or, you know, something, you know, wrong and be excommunicated. And the way that those people were treated was just shocking to me. You know, just, just last week we were praying with those people and my kids were playing with their kids and now we're not supposed to talk to them anymore as a, some, some form of love to them. And it didn't feel like love. Yeah. 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 So, so, so again, you were introduced to the punitive side of things pretty quickly. Yeah. I guess that's true. Wow. So within three months, when did you first start seeing your first like genuine like this fellowshipping or or house group meeting or or group meeting by which people were pulled aside and chastised? I mean, was that something you started to see pretty regularly? Um, you know, I don't really remember. I don't remember seeing that. Um. I don't remember seeing that too much. A lot of that was done in private meetings, but what I would hear about from the beginning was the leader who uh, I had become good friends with, the leader of this group, would talk about, oh, I had to pull so-and-so aside for like a private, you know, like a private meeting because they, you know, they did something wrong. And then they would like kind of suggest maybe what type of sin that they had been engaging in. So it was just kind of like gossipy, low-key, rather than seeing it out in the open. Hmm. Well. So, so there was, so they, so they, so you saw from the beginning that, that there, there was this culture. There was this culture of, uh, of, uh, of, um, monitoring and surveillance. I mean, all the things that, I mean, I, I, I imagine all the things that you, you heard about were more, were, were just more natural. People just talked about it more matter of factly. That just really yeah. kind of whispered about it, because it was just part of the way Xenos was, right? I mean, if you were, yeah. if, you, if you didn't keep, if you didn't walk the line, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't uh, walk and step and uh, walk the straight and narrow as they wanted. Uh, they, they would come down on you, and they, and 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 you, and this was taught to you as being the righteous way to, to treat people. Yes, yes, and I feel that what they would do is use scriptural examples and kind of manipulate. Um, those examples are manipulate scripture to justify what they were doing. So if I would question it, like um, I remember one time this girl slept with her boyfriend, so she got excommunicated. And I was really sad about that because um, I felt like she had been going through a lot in life. She'd been struggling in this period. And I thought that as her, you know, sisters in the group, we should be showing her love. So I, you know, spoke against her excommunication and then I wanted to send her flowers and, you know, I was almost like chastised for wanting to show her these kindnesses. Mm. And what grounds? Why, why would they tell but you it was the wrong thing to do? Right. Yeah, that's a good question. But, I mean, you know, they explain it all away with, with scripture. And the scriptures they would use would be always be the ones by which they twisted it to say, well, the scripture here says that, uh, uh, you know, with such a one you should not eat. Uh, or, or, or some sort of verse yes. that basically yes. made, made it absolutely clear you had absolutely no contact with anybody at all. Yeah, yeah, things like that. Yeah. That this is a form of love and not condoning their sin. Wow. Man. What was that like? How, how did you and your husband deal with that. I mean I mean if you guys obviously weren't raised in that and you saw it you you really believe it. This 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 was a godly and righteous thing to be doing. 
because they were they told you it's from the Bible. Yeah, because I mean, it was our first real experience with Christ and with the Bible. So, you know, and and that side of it, and teaching the Bible, um, and encouraging you to read, you know, things like that. It's um, there are good points like that, and so that was just like really attractive to us. But also having friends, you know, that were always there for us, you know, that we would um, have these relationships with, and our kids could play, and you know, those sort of community feel was important to us. It's something that we really liked. So mm-hmm. um, we were just we just kept trying to look the other way harder and harder and harder until we just couldn't anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there really came a point in your life in which to exercise your faith, you felt you had to, there were a lot of things you had to overlook. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely, because I, I, I just always disagreed with the way that people were, you know, basically kicked out, um, for sin. And I also didn't like that the groups would get so big and then they would split. And that was frustrating because you had to like form these relationships all over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Right. What, what, what does that do to people? I mean, I mean, I mean, let me ask you this. You share, share how you felt about, but, but overall, what, what was the effect upon people who were who raised to be in these really super tight home church fellowships where everybody's taught to know everybody else and we're praying for each yeah. other and you, you love each other. You do life together. You do stuff together. Uh, you're all taught to be very close. And all of a sudden, bingo, uh, some, uh, something comes to some, some mandate comes down from on high. Uh, and suddenly you're told that, that all these people, these people who you've built your lives and relationship with suddenly, um, uh, there to be a secondary importance as you move on to create yet another small group filled with complete strangers. Uh, yeah. What was yeah. that like for you and your husband? And 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 what do you think it did to other people as well? Um, you know, I think that it's just explained away by them as a sacrifice, but I think that it is really hard because. Um, People that have been in Zenos for a while are used to that, and I think that they are more guarded and don't fully invest, you know, um, their hearts into those friendships. But people that are new definitely do, and um, I think it, it's just really it's hurtful to kind of feel like they're trivialized in the name of in the name of Jesus somehow. So yeah, yeah. So so yeah, I mean, I just I can't imagine getting to know someone. Uh, and you know, having done all that, and then all of a sudden you're just told to just just abandon those those very connections, and 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 reckon that they're not as important as the next new project that you've just been made a part of. Regardless of what you, how you felt about it, suddenly you're no longer in Group A. You're going to be in Group B, and um and and, and that's going to be uh your, that's where God wants you. I mean, is that how how it was? How was it explained that, that a group had to break up? And, and go someplace else. I mean, I mean, how much of, of the will of God was, uh, was cited in, in terms of breaking up these relationships? Cause that's what they were, even though they didn't say that way. But, uh, how are they, how does the Xenos leaders explain that to you? Oh, you know, they say things like, oh, we felt led or we, we were led, you know, or things like that. And they would say it, we it was were led. To us. Yeah, we were led. We were led. Um, you know, I, I think, 
um, looking back, they had big plans for my husband and I, but we didn't know that at the time. And we kind of created a big stink about splitting because there were some people we were really close with. And we essentially told them, like, if we weren't going to be with you in a group with you, we probably would just stop going because, you know. And um, so they did allow us actually to stay in that group, probably because they, you know, were still kind of working us. <laughs> I just really? didn't realize that at the time. Yeah. What, what were they hoping to have you do? I mean, what 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 capacity were they wanting you to essentially be in eventually? Um, well, we had a lot of space in our house at that time. We had a split level, and the basement was just like the perfect spot to hold a group so they wanted us to host is the first thing so all of a sudden we started being told they have been told they have just had this miraculous telling from above that we have the gift of hosting and that we should be hosting (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that was the first thing and Mm -hmm. then um towards after we had been doing that for a while it was like phase two and that's where they have been led to to know that we are supposed to be leaders so they wanted us to start going to classes start discipling people start going to classes to become leaders Mm. and those and and if i'm not mistaken some of those classes uh can (laughs) they can occupy a good amount of your time and and also cost you quite a bit of money yeah yeah, I actually, we did not, we did not go. We just continued to, you know, like essentially make excuses for why we can't do that. And we kept trying to say neither of us feel the need in any way to go, to go and be leaders, which is not what we're called to do. You know, I, I have my calling and my husband has his and it's not leading. So, you know, we don't want to do that. And that ended up being part of the reason that, um, you know, when we were kind of, Instead of it being repeatedly suggested, it was kind of like no longer a suggestion, like it's time for you to go and do this. And when we just like refused, that was sort of the beginning of the the switch when we we were kind of kicked out at that time, or shortly after that. Well, really, so you you so you didn't just walk away. You you guys actually were disfellowship. Yeah, we were disfellowshipped. Um, well, I was. It's that that part of the story is is a little longer, but. Mm-hmm. Yes, basically, yeah. Right. So, so in so in disfellowshipping, you know, I find that you know, when, when a group rises up and and declares itself to be have the authority of God over people, and starts to speak in the name of God, and starts at that point then declare whether or not you're worthy enough to be around. Uh, I find that that in that, in that point there's, there's there's many ways. That I mean, that's that's all. That kind of hooey is damaging coming from people who you trust and love. But there's many ways in which it can really, really crush that much more, depending on whether or not you were you were expelled or you walked away. And so, in in essence, here you are. You're trying to do the right thing because you felt God led you into this place. You felt like there was this truth here. You're applying yourself. Very zealously towards it, and, and then all of a sudden, out of the blue, uh, you're, you're told that if you don't fit into the mold, the certain way you were told to be, that uh, uh, you need to hit the road. And that's essentially what. And, and that can be that kind of disillusionment can't help but be just be so so painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Uh, so, so, 
what, so when you so, so what was the the file though? But I mean, you were at this fellowship. Obviously, you didn't want to leave. Obviously, you want to stick around because you felt like this was where where you wanted to serve God at. But what at what point did they suddenly start making it clear to you that uh, that um, there is there is an ultimatum that, that you're going to have to live by, uh, and, and that that you had uh, you missed it. I mean, what 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 exactly did it say at that point? Yeah, well, um, well, what happened was, um, it was actually a process where I had started getting mad at them, and they did not like that. So, um, what happened is, I was, I started missing meetings, um, more frequently because my work, um, I was working like. 45, 50 hours a week at that time. I was working a ton. I had to work. And all the other women, or almost all the other women in that group were stay-at-home moms. So they didn't really understand that I was busier because I had less available time to do things with my kids and for my kids and take care of them because I worked all day. Um, And so um, sometimes I would have to work late and things like that, and I would miss a meeting. My husband would still go a lot of times. Um, And it was kind of like posed to me that I was, um, you know, um, not prioritizing Jesus enough and that he needed to come before my job. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, um, you know, I have to pay my bills. You know, I have to work. It's not a choice for me. It's not for fun. So, um, that was the first thing that happened. And then I started asking for books. Um, you know, I'm going to be honest. I don't remember what it was about. It was something spiritual, like maybe prayer or marriage or something. I, I had asked to borrow a book from the leader and my friend. Um, and she told me I couldn't because it's not what I needed. And what I need was books on demonology because she believes that I'm possessed. Because if I wasn't possessed, I wouldn't be missing all these meetings for work. What? Really? You were you were told in no not so many words that exact same thing. You you had a demonic possession in you. Yes, I mean those weren't the exact words, but it was like you know I think you got something going on with this. You need to read these books and like free yourself and essentially that I was under demonic oppression of some kind because yeah. I had you know started getting frustrated with constantly being chastised about missing meetings and like you don't understand I'm super busy, I'm tired and and because so, you expressed um, your feelings somehow that was a manifestation of satanic power. Yeah, yeah. So oh I, and God. then I, then I kind of got mad because I was like, you know, I just thought that was just mean. <laughs> so I didn't yeah. like that. Um, yeah. Um, so then, um, after that, like right, right around this time, um, my boss at work, he was a doctor. He changed his late night. So instead of late night on a Tuesday, it's going to be now on a Thursday. Oh, well, Thursday was when I had home church. Mm-hmm. So yep. I either had to quit my job or stop going to home church. So I came to them and I was like, um, you know, I need to request a transfer to a different home, home group. I was like, I just need, you know, because in order to keep my job, I won't be able to come to this group anymore because my doctor's hours, um, the doctor I was an assistant for. And they're like, oh, no, you know, that's when they told me very blatantly. Um, um, I was turning my back on Jesus. There was like a whole meeting at Cell Group that was specifically about me while I was there, like right in front of me. And all this sin that I was in by prioritizing work and asking to move a home church, this was evidence that I was betraying Jesus. And that that everyone should know that that's basically what I'm doing. I'm turning my back on Jesus. Thank God. Man. Yeah. Man. What were they saying so, to your husband? Um, what were yeah. they saying to your husband at this point? 
So they weren't really bringing it up to him a lot, like in the men's groups and in the casual groups, it wasn't really discussed. My husband knew that I was going through it and he was upset about it, but he wasn't really hearing a whole lot from them other than them asking things like, hey, is your wife okay? It seems like she's going through something and just compassionate outreach for him. God. So that so was that, yeah. Wow. So you're, you're telling me, so there's this world. This is, there is this Orwellian world uh, of, of this, this culture within Xenos by which a couple, a, ma- you know, a man and a woman who are married, can be held in tension against one another very quietly and secretly in such a way that that that, that they, they, they actually begin to build, a, they, they do their best action, it seems as, as if to build a wedge between you two. Yeah. Yeah, they they tried that a lot harder later. Yeah. And then for, so for then I actually, you know, I stopped going because I had to work that night and they wouldn't let me go to another group. So I was like, well, I guess I just can't go then because I have to, you know, I have more shit. I got to keep my job. And so, um, and I started to think to myself around that time, you know, this isn't right. I should, you know, my church should show me love in this time of change instead of, you know, ostracizing me. And I, I started to get really upset about, about that and what they had done other people that I had, you know, seen the similar things. So, um, my husband also stopped going because, you know, he's supporting me. He's like, I can't believe they won't let you go somewhere else. Like if you can't go, I'm not going to go. Um, so we all stopped going. And after a a couple of weeks, um, someone from the group reached out to me and told me that they had just left the group and they wanted to meet. So she asked me to dinner. I went to dinner with her and she said, you know, I left because I saw what happened to you and it was kind of the icing on the cake for me. And, um, she didn't want to be part of it anymore. And then she said, um, that the, she had heard that the men's group was planning to stage an intervention for my husband to get him to leave me. And she's like, I just want to warn you that they're going to do that. And I was just like, that's so ridiculous. No way. Like that's just too crazy. Even for that's just too crazy. But then it totally happened and they did. <laughs> They totally did. So, um, no, let me back up. Let's unpack that a second. They were going to stage an intervention. A group of men in Xenos were going to approach your husband in an intervention kind of way to induce him to, to what? Divorce you? Separate from you? Just because you won't go to church with them uh, the way they want you to. Yes, because I won't go to church on Thursday night because I wanted to go on a different night. Um, did, did they have a verse or, or, or chapter or verse somewhere to kind of explain how they get that from the Bible? Oh, probably. Um, you know, I'd have to ask him, but probably they, they asked him out for pizza and it was like three of the guys that he had been closest with and he was telling them, you know, we've been such good friends with you guys. Even if we aren't going to church, um, we still want to hang out all the time and see you guys. And they're like, yeah, yeah. My husband, like, is an optimist. He just, like, couldn't believe that, you know, they would be in genuine or that they would turn from him. He just couldn't accept it at that time. So, um, he, um, 
you know, it started out like great and they're, they're going to be friends. They're going to be buds. And then they started like bringing me up and saying, you know, your wife has turned her back on Jesus and essentially saying that if he loves me, he has to separate from me or divorce from me because he can't, he can't stand by while I, you know, while I disrespect Jesus in this way by not going to home church anymore. So he has to separate from me as, as a form of love to me. So again, I, uh, I really would like, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear from, from Kate Miz, Mizell or Conrad Delario. Just kind of explain to me how you get that from the Bible. And these are people I approach to about some of the high-handed abuses we've heard about in Xenos for, for, for a whole solid week before we called them. And, and, uh, I mean, any leader, I'd love to hear from any leader, call me or, 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 or they never will, of course, but no. I really would love no. to hear, hear them justify how they can, uh, somehow feel that equating a woman's decision to have to follow the employment she's in, keeping her out of the church is, is somehow a sinful thing just because it crossed their will. Just because yeah. it, because it didn't fit their agenda, that is that it, it required a punitive intervention to make and lead a husband to actually break a marital bond. Of course, we yeah. already know in, in, in Xenos the, mar- the the bonds of, of matrimony are a joke anyway. Uh, unless uh, unless you're completely controlled by them, they're going to distort them and 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 hound them. And, and, and abuse them and twist them any way they possibly can to meet their own, their own agenda. So that's not a surprise, but really, I, I would love to hear from somebody this week, kind of give me a call or, or, or email me at raphaelspirewatch.org. I'd love to hear from you guys. I'd love to hear from somebody in Xenos explaining to me how that is a, is a, a quote unquote Christian thing to do. Cause to, to me as a pastor, that, that is, that is, that is absolute abomination. To see, uh, two become one, two, two people who, who have become one in the sight of God and holy matrimony suddenly made out to be, um, to have their, their union suddenly made out to be a threat against a church's agenda. That's just absolutely over the top. Unreal. So, so, yeah. so you or your friend warned you that this was coming and then your husband yeah. went through it. So what happened after that? Well, he, um, he didn't believe, like I had told him and he was like, there's no way, you know, these are my, these are my bros. Like, you know, there's no way that they're going to do that. You know, she's just trying to upset you. So when it actually happened, he was like completely floored. Um, you know, of course he, um, I don't know exactly how his, his lunch with them ended, but he didn't speak to them again after that or see them again. Um, yeah. You know, um, because he has my back first, which is, which is awesome. Cause I know a lot of times Zenos has, um, actually encouraged people to stay in marriages that probably should end because of major abuse issues. And they also, um, you know, have ended marriages because one person has left the, left the church and the other has not and a marriage will end. So, um, um, I'm just glad that our marriage was not affected in that way. Yeah. So, so after that came and after Florida and, uh, did, did both, I mean, obviously you couldn't make it to church because you're working. Um, did he finally stop going all together? I think you said, and then at that point, uh, when did the, when did the, the last shoe drop at that point, Xenos, uh, show you the right, show you the door out. 
um, it was, well, that was it. Um, that was it there. And then we actually, um, so sadly we actually ended up going back in a couple of years later, which is just embarrassing at this point, but that's what happened. Um, so I maintained friendship with a girl that I had known back from uh, my first year of nursing school. And she was, um, she was not, she was actually not in the group that I ended up joining. So when all that happened, she actually was not part of that. And I maintained my friendship with her. Um, and as we started talking more and hanging out, she started trying to encourage me to come to her home church and trying to tell me the stuff that I experienced. I would tell her, you know, but they did this and they did this. And she's telling me it was just this group. Like it was just your group was messed up. It was a bad group. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that group. If you come to my group, like we don't do that, you know, it's different. And, um, you know, and I, this is someone that I love, still love very much. I would, laid down my life for her, just love her to death. But um she definitely, you know, I believe that she believes that. And um we started going to to her group. Why did you guys go back? Um I think because we missed that community and had yeah. been, you know, kinda lonely. We I think we self isolated after that yeah. for a while yeah. and we just were wanting that. And I also um this is someone that I deeply trusted. So I actually, you know, I believed what she told me that, um, that's you just like, there's no perfect person. There's no perfect group. And this one is all messed up. And, you know, that stuff isn't supposed to happen and doesn't happen. And Mm -hmm. so she encouraged me to come to her group and then she would help me like run it up the line about what happened so that it could be addressed. Really? Wow. Yeah. She was really trying to bat for you. She really was trying to She's trying to be a mediator. She's she's trying to somehow reconcile you to a system that had chewed you up. But what she truly believed um, was just a victim of circumstance, a victim of, of like you said, a, a bad bunch of people here or there. But uh, and, I, and I, I suppose you guys wanted to believe that. Yeah, we did. We wanted to believe that. And, um, you know, we had been friends with them for a long time outside of Zeno. So we trusted them, um, Mm -hmm. her and her husband. And, um, and I believe that she believed what she said. Um, yeah, yeah. She was, you know, she was raised, raised in that church and she doesn't understand. Yeah. So she knew a lot of people within the higher ups, of course, and who are the people that can make things happen uh, in Zena. So, so, um, so at that point, um, uh, you went back and, um, understandably so. And, um, yeah. and you had tried to stick around and, and then, so what happened? Was there a final acceptance of you there? Or, or, I mean, I assume, I mean, obviously you didn't, you didn't stick around. So what happened? Um, so at that time we started, uh, immediately seeing the same kind of things. We were very alert to see the same sort of behavior that we saw before mm. when we started seeing it. We didn't like that. We saw too much drinking, you know, we would try to hang out, but people like, there's a huge cigarette smoking culture at Zenith. Everybody smokes cigarettes. Um, and you know, we were just really sick of the cigarette smoke too, frankly. And, um, you know, and, um, they kind of encourage that as a way to be hip and I don't know. Um, so we started seeing that right away. And when they started saying, you know, we want you to come to this group and that group and these meetings, you know, right away, we're just like, you know, no, um, we're not, we're not 
going in deep again and um eventually just felt like we had made the wrong choice in trying to go back and you know we met with our friends and let them know you know we weren't going to come back and they were you know just like they were like well that's cool and um but while I was there I should I, I should backtrack when we first joined it got weird right away because one of the other group leaders in this group that my friend ran approached us she was like she brought me aside at a meeting and she was like what are your intentions and I was like what she's like what are your intentions in this group and I was just like, um, and then she kind of told me she had heard about all the stuff that happened in the group I was in before and how we need to clear the air there. And, um, she wants me to reach out to the members, um, to the leaders of the church that we had left before so that they could be accountable and our hearts could be like free or some, something like that. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> So, so you, so when you rejoined and you reapproached them and your friends obviously trying to be a go, go between, uh, yeah. when you finally got to where you thought that you might find a place of refuge and community, once again, you're immediately, you're, you're immediately just dragged through the mud and, and you're questioned. Your integrity is basically on the line here and, and you have to be, to somehow, Make it clear to them that, um, that, uh, you, you, not only are you there for the right reasons, but that you're going to do what they tell you to go in and make sure you stroke the ego of the people you left behind. Yeah. Yeah. So they had me reach out to the people that had, um, you know, hurt us in the old group and, you know, say, Hey, you know, you've hurt me and give them a chance to apologize. And, um, Did one of the persons, um, one of the persons didn't respond for a long time. And then I had told my, like I told the leaders in my new group that they didn't respond. And then after that, I think it went up the chain somewhere because after that they came and responded to me and they said, you know, I don't remember any of the things you're saying. I don't think I did any things you're saying, but if I did ever hurt you, I'm sorry. Well, and that was all they said. That's awful nice of them. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. And then when I brought up, when I brought up my concerns, I had all these concerns, like I had a list of people are being ostracized and, you know, new believers are being held to the same standards as mature, mature Christians. And I had this whole list of issues. I was, you know, asked to bring it to Jessica Lowry. So then I met with her, um, online and we had a long talk and essentially, um, she had like the Zeno famous line, which is, um, it's um well that doesn't happen in my group but I'm sorry if it ex- if you experience that I've never experienced that. Okay. So it happened to you and we're so sorry to hear that but uh but it's not going to happen here with us. We're we're definitely above all that. So so yeah. it, 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 it didn't seem to bother Jessica at all that it did happen. Right. Enough enough to the point where they actually got enough people to run interference and and run people down to come up and and cough up a rather insincere apology. Uh, I mean, really, um, I mean, how much of, how much of the divine hand of, of God's spirit do you see there? Or is it more, to me, this is more like a bunch of kids playing with each other, you know, and one getting one, one, one kid getting another kid, uh, to go do something to another kid, a third kid. Uh, just simply because it's something that he's expected to do. Uh, it's, it's something he's, he's, he's forced to do. It's more, it's, you just see, you see so much human manipulation at work here. And I guess they yeah. would say, they would say, no, this, this is the hand of God. This is, this is how God's leading us. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's insane. We, yeah, we didn't really realize how much it impacted us um, for a long time. But um, as the years have gone by, we realized that we're just very, we're very fearful and distrusting of churches, of friendships. Um, you know, yeah. some of those effects have definitely stayed with us. And um, looking back on our experiences, just wanting to help people escape that sort of pressure. Yeah. So when you so when you when that sort of quote unquote sloppy agape finally uh, hit you guys, uh, how much longer did you stay? Did, did you realize that this this really was gonna? I mean, you did say you realized this wasn't gonna go anywhere, but how much longer did you stay after after that? Oh, I don't know exactly. We were only there for maybe like one or two months. Um, we weren't like going every time so it was casual that time and I think that's why we were you know addressed what are your intentions and like are you really joining this group and it just right away with the pressure so we would we would just immediately knew that we didn't want that when we left yeah right. I mean who'd want to be I mean you, you could just feel the eyes on you you can just feel the surveillance I mean the the scrutiny I mean, the, nar- the narrow eye glance that, you know, well, why are you here? You know, what's, I, uh, yeah, I mean, what, what's, what's, like you said, what's, what's your motivation? Why, why have you come? It, it can't be anything that people may just want to come and fellowship and rejoice in the name of Jesus or, or, or be together as believers. It has to be some, some deeper, some deeper thing. And then that says a lot about where Xenos really is, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because that, that's a dynamic that, that's very, very visible uh, constantly throughout all this. And um, so I think it's, uh, I, I'm just so sorry you had to go through all that. And um, in our next podcast, we will certainly explore a little bit more about that. And uh, so, in our, so in our next podcast, uh, we will explore uh, what was life like afterwards, what the aftermath was of leaving a place like Xenos. And uh, we'll definitely have you back and, and we'll, uh, we'll tell you next part of the story in just a moment here. Thanks for listening today as we explore just where are we going. Our prayer is that you have been encouraged and strengthened and, if necessary, challenged in your daily journey through life. Jesus is coming. You can fall with the night or you can rise with the sun. The choice is yours. You can email us with questions and comments at feedback at spiritwatch.org. And if you need urgent personal spiritual help, email us at help at spiritwatch.org. We look forward to hearing from you. Please follow our podcasting at our Facebook page and our website at spiritwatch.org. This podcast is a production of Spirit Watch Ministries, taking heed that no man deceives you. Quite an experience to live in fear, isn't it? That's what it is to be a slave.